The following is a message by Professor Zach Keel from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. This morning for uh, our little devotion, we'll turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5. I'll begin reading in verse 10, and I'll read through uh, six verse, or chapter 6, verse 9. So 5, 10 through 6, 9 of Ecclesiastes. This is uh, God's word. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There's a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun, Riches were kept by their own, their owner to his hurt. But those riches were lost in a bad adventure. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go, and what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment with all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many many years, so that his days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial... I say that a stillborn child is better off than he, for it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he, even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to one place. All the toil of man is for his mouth, Yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? 
Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity, the striving after the wind. Let's pray. Blessed Father, we thank you for this time, this brief moment to open your word, and we petition your throne that you would give us your illumining spirit so that we might understand what you speak to us, that you might impart to us wisdom by your grace to see what you have given to us, the limits you have put upon us, and the dangers that we see in the world and in our own hearts. And Lord, help us to remember that it is only in Christ Jesus our Lord, his perfect righteousness and merit on our behalf, by which we live and walk before you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. It's remarkable how a picture or a scene in a movie can so well capture or epitomize a certain aspect of life. Well, one movie scene that does this is from Jerry Maguire, where the football player is dancing in the kitchen yelling, show me the money. Yes, this scene, and particularly this phrase, has taken on a life of its own, as it so well sums up what makes our world tick. The desire for money is the fuel that propels our society. Show me the money is a phrase that even Marx himself could have used. Yet in discussions on Christian liberty and wisdom, the topic of money doesn't often get much airtime. Indeed, the drum of drinking or dancing or card playing gets beat nice and loud. Even sex gets brought up now and again. But talking about money has the feel of asking someone how much they make. It almost seems too personal. Nobody wants to breach it. But this absence is even more striking in light of how much space the Bible gives to money. For the scriptures are not shy in declaring the evils of money, even calling the love of money the root of all evil. Well, Kohelet, that is the preacher of Ecclesiastes, has plenty to say about money and possessions and our use of it. And this is the topic of the passage before us. Now, this passage is a concentric unit. That is, it's focused upon the center, which is found in chapter 5, 19 through 20. But Kohelet's first point is how the love of money does not satisfy. So, verse 10 of chapter 5. The wacky truth is that those who long for money and possessions are never really satisfied by them. I mean, logic would point to us in the direction that if you want something and then you get it, then you should be satisfied. You got it, so be happy. But this is not the case with money. No matter how much a person has, they always seem to want more. The love of money and wealth creates an insatiable greed for it. And this is Kohelet's point in chapter 6, verse 7, when he says, All the toil of man is for his mouth yet his appetite is not satisfied. Now the image here is one of eating, but Kohelet is using it for the desire of all things, money and stuff. Indeed, this is what drives people. They work for stuff, but they never get full. 
Indeed, Kohelet wants to highlight the social and personal impact of this evil that this greed has. So in verse 11 of chapter 5, he states how as goods and wealths increase, so do those who consume them. There's never a shortage of consumers. If there's stuff, there's going to be someone there to eat it. This unquenchable craving for money feeds upon itself. It multiplies. But this ravenous greed for more has its own dangers. Look at verse 12 of chapter 5. Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats a little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. The laborer, whether he gets a little or a lot for his day's work, will sleep well. But the rich man tosses and turns in his abundance. Again, the image here is one of eating, but the preacher uses this for all forms of consuming. The man who has wealth has insomnia, be it from indigestion, from his rich food, or from worrying. He worries about his wealth, how to protect it, how to make it more. Yet the laborer who lives day by day off of his wages, he sleeps good at night, for he doesn't have any wealth to worry about. And doesn't this reflect our modern society? Our relatively wealthy culture has produced a society of consumers. Everyone striving for more and for all the newest and coolest gadgets. Indeed, the lack of satisfaction has resulted in that most of our products are inherently disposable. Once you get that latest and greatest new cell phone that you wanted, it loses its pleasure in six months and you need another. And yet, despite all this wealth, the most common health complaint in our society is stress. When, with all its symptoms, in our affluent society, the rarest commodity is satisfaction. For the world keeps chanting, show me the money. Well, what's better than this? Well, Kohela tells us what's better. Look at verse 9 of chapter 6. He says, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. Now this phrase, the sight of the eyes, or to see it with one eyes, means to enjoy it. That is, it is better to enjoy what one has rather than to let one's appetite rove continually after more. It's better to find satisfaction and contentment with whatever one has rather than to seek persistently more and never find satisfaction. However, this better truth leads Kohelet to point out another grievous evil, which he speaks of as a sickening evil in verse 13 of 5. Now here, he, the situation he gives us is not uncommon. For a person saves a bunch of money, he puts it away, but then he loses it before he can enjoy it. Even after all his storing up, he ends up with nothing, nothing to share with his son. He had, but he was never able to enjoy it. This is the folly of the miser. Of course, another example of this, Kohelet mentions in six, chapter 6, verse 3 and following. For he gives an example of a man who had it all. He had hundreds 
uh, uh, hundreds of kids. He had a, a long life, two key desires of the ancient world. He, had, he possessed all sorts of good things, the best of life. But he was not satisfied. He could not enjoy what he had. He, instead, he always wanted more. Therefore, Kohelet shows us how a stillborn child is better than this person. Even though a stillborn child only lives the slightest moment, dying before it's even fully born, it has more rest than the person who never learns how to enjoy what he has. It's better to have rest in the grave than to waste the opportunity to enjoy the time that God gives you under the sun. Thus, in chapter 6, verse 6, it says there's no benefit in living 2,000 years if you don't enjoy the good of life. For everyone goes to the same place. All die. Hence, we're reminded in 5.15 of the principle that naked we come from our mother's womb, and naked we shall go. All the things that we earn from our toil, we can't take with us. They have no effect after death. Thus the person who has it all but enjoys nothing has a bitter and evil life. Look at verse 17 of chapter 5. It says, Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness, and anger. And this phrase about eating in darkness basically means that he lives as though he's dead. For darkness is an image of death, and eat is an image for life. Thus, just as there's no enjoyment in the grave, so to live and not to enjoy is like being dead. He goes through life vexed, ill, and angry. Next, in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Kohelet summarizes base, this basic grievous evil. For he says that it is a great and burdensome evil when God gives man wealth and honor, but does not allow him to enjoy them. The, the person that has a great deal, but never gets to take pleasure in it, this is an evil. Instead, some stranger gets to enjoy it instead of him. To live a life where one cannot enjoy what one has been given, he says, is a sickening evil. It's vanity, wacky, not the way it should be. Now, this might happen due to some tragedy, early death, like, but the Kohelet's main point is that most often it, it occurs because people's insatiable greed keeps them striving for more and more, and thus they never learn how to enjoy the things that they have. Well, in contrast to this evil of, of life under the sun, the preacher also speaks of a good. Thereby, he warns us of the evil to avoid and the good to, ex to seek. This he tells us in chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. But first of all, Coelt identifies that God gave us a lot or a portion. And at the end of verse 18, he mentions this. Indeed, there are many things in life that are outside of our control. Yet God has given us something. And what he has given us is to eat, to drink, and to find enjoyment in our toil 
the few days of our lives. Yes, toil is inevitable. It's part of God's common curse. We can't avoid it. However, during this toilsome time, we can find enjoyment. We can consider the good in our toil. Therefore, the good we are to wisely seek is to properly enjoy and find the good in the toil that God gives us. Wisdom beckons us to control our insatiable desires and greed for more and to be content with what we have and to learn how to enjoy what we've been given, be it a little or a lot. Indeed, this is just what the Kohelet calls as God's gift to us. Look at verse 19. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. God's good gift to all mankind is to accept his lot. To learn how to enjoy what he has, the good things of life, and one's toil. Indeed, God's common grace tempers and somewhat balances God's common curse. And this is wisdom for us. For it is easy for us to fall prey to the world's raving appetite for more. Double-digit annual growth seems to be the standard where anything less is treated as going backwards. Sure, there's plenty of parties and pleasures in our society, but there's very little true enjoyment with contentment. But Kohelet exhorts us to know the dangers of the love of money and to know our limits. Money and possessions have no benefit in death. You can't take any of them with you. You will die naked just as you were born. Moreover, the desire for money is a whirlpool that sucks you down into a spiral of greed, worry, and vexation, leading to all sorts of evils and oppressions. But God gave us a gift, a gift to eat and to drink and to find the good in our toil. God gives us a gift, the gift of possessions, not as an ultimate good, for they will pass away, but to enjoy them for today, for the purpose that God gave them. Indeed, the ability to consider the good in one's toil and to enjoy ultimately comes from Christ. It comes from the one who was not greedy in the least but was perfectly content with the earthly lot that the Father gave to him. If anyone had the right to protest his lot, it was Jesus who was equal to the Father, to whom belongs all the riches and glories of heaven. But he put this aside, saying, I came to serve, not to be served. I came to do my Father's will, not my own. He who was rich became poor for your sakes. This is where true contentment lies, in Christ, as we realize that these earthly goods are relative goods 
and that God gave them to us only to enjoy the few days of our lives and for his glory. Indeed, this is what the apostle says in 1 Timothy 6, where Paul has this very passage of Ecclesiastes in mind. As he says, for as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Our ultimate good is only in Christ, and our full joy will only be experienced in heaven with our Savior. Our ultimate good does not lie under the sun, but beyond the sun, in the new heavens and the new earth. Thus may your desires and your love not be in these things which pass away, that we can't take with us. But may your love, your faith, and your hope be only in Christ, who secured for us an eternal joy, and who gives us these good things to enjoy with one another for his glory. Amen. Copyright 2009, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.